0: Good morning everyone, everyone's sort of shooting up in different places, that's okay, I think some people will come back, getting ourselves organised, if you're um, visiting with us today, great to have you here, my name's Graham, uh, one of the ministers here, Um, you might want to get out while we just wait for a moment, there's a bit of crash action happening, I'll give them a chance to get settled, in your bulletins there's a little uh, sermon outline and um, it fits in nicely with our bulletin, you notice that? I think it's pretty impressive, thanks to Kiralee, good job. So you might want to have that open in front of you. And two, a welcome as well to those watching at home. Uh, sorry you couldn't make it today, and I'm glad you're watching. And if you miss a sermon, don't forget you can catch it up online. Uh, Rod's already prayed for us, so I'm not going to pray. Um, this is our last talk in our series on doubt. So I do encourage you, we're going to wrap things up a bit today, throwing a few things all together. I hope that works out for you. You might want to write some things down. We have a Q&A at the end too, so bear that in mind. Um, keep those questions in your mind or scribble them down and you can ask them at the end if you like or make a comment, word of encouragement, that type of thing. So next week we start a series on Mark's Gospel. So you've got some homework this week. When I was a student, I didn't like homework um, and I really did it. No, that's not true. No, that's ah. not, not Where's here today. It's okay. Um, <laughs> Uh, I did it most of the time. I want you to do it this week, though. I want you to read through Mark's Gospel. Can you do that? Just read through Mark's Gospel. Go and find a good spot in the sun, if we get it again, and um, and read through Mark's Gospel. that would be great. Um, if, as I said, if you miss any of these sermons, uh, go to our YouTube channel, which is um, Robertson Borrowing Anglican Church, and you can catch up on those sermons. Please do that if you've missed any. Now, you might remember, I shared right at the beginning, my prayer for us in this series is that you would be reassured to discover that doubt is actually a common experience for Christians. It's what we do with that that matters most. The other thing i would be praying for, i was been I was praying today as well, is that you'd be helped to grow stronger in your faith and trust in Jesus. You'll be helped to grow stronger in your faith in the Lord Jesus. So two simple things I've been praying for you, today, and I hope that um, uh, God's been answering that prayer in your lives. Now in these last couple of weeks, and big thanks to Ross who preached so well last week for us, These last couple of weeks we've we've seen how Christians can overcome a lack of assurance and specific doubts when it comes to their faith. There will always be times when we need to respond to doubts and questions. But we should also take proactive measures to mature and strengthen our faith so as we're not susceptible to doubt. That's what this morning is about. It's about these proactive measures. So in the past we, last few weeks, we've talked about reactive measures. Today, it's proactive measures. Well, let me get you thinking for it to, as we start. I wonder what ideology, social theory, philosophy, would best describe the world we live in today. What do you think? I want to ask you for hands up, but just think in your mind, what, what social theory, what ideology, philosophy best describes the world we live in today? Is there a particular world view that sums up 21st century Australia? You got one? Yeah, okay, a few people got one, good. Give me a nod if you got one. Do you need more time? No, you're not going to get more time, bad luck. Um, I, I think there is, but I don't think it's anything particularly new. I think it's a great threat to God's people and I think it's a great threat to God's church. I think it's individualism, that's what I think it is, individualism. The, um, the philosopher uh, René Descartes, probably most well known for the saying, I think therefore I am, he was behind that saying, he famously withdrew, withdrew into isolation so he could doubt everything. He said this, he said, I desire to live in peace and to continue the life I have begun under the motto, to live well, you must live unseen. It's interesting, isn't it? See, his individualism in the end, well, it was a futile attempt to find a firm foundation for, the true, knowledge of knowledge, for true knowledge outside of God. Truth is, we're not meant to live lonely and isolated lives. And this is even more so for God's people. And such individualism, friends, is a recipe for doubt. When we become Christians, we're actually... God saves us into a community, uh, the church. We are called to face the challenges of faith together with our brothers and sisters in Christ, with God, our Heavenly Father, It's no coincidence that Jesus faced his greatest times of testing when he was alone in the wilderness. So here's our big idea that will run through much of what we'll say today and something we talk a lot about at this church and that is that church is key. Church is key. We're made for relationship. We're meant to work in a team. Now, I am... I hardly ever watch tennis. I watch tennis once a year, these last couple of weeks. In fact, these last few days, really. Um, I just, I, it's too much grunting for me. And I, eh, eh. Who is that female tennis player who started off? Monica Sellis, was that her? She's, a, she's been around for years. The first grunter, anyway. Too much grunting, anyway. I, I did watch Ash Barty and note that she doesn't grunt at all. That's why she's my favourite. Um, she won last night, how cool was that? Fantastic. Uh, pretty awesome, and I, although I do, I do enjoy the special case afterwards. Did you watch uh, Kyrios and Kokonakis afterwards? They won too, that was pretty cool. A couple of things I've noticed about Ash Barty's after-match speeches is that one, she seems to be always proactive. She plans to succeed. I thought that was interesting, but what's more interesting uh, it's always not I and me. You notice that? It's never me, it's never I, it's always us and we. It's always plural. Her success, her endurance, her strength is a team effort. I love the way she, can, she talks about her team. In fact, she even refers to her team now and then as her tennis family. But of course such thinking is nothing new, is it? God's people have been speaking like that for many, many, many years. Now, the New Testament letters um, models this concept of church as a team, or more precisely, as a family, supporting and encouraging each other in the truth of the gospel, and there are many examples. One such example came from the passage that Phil read a few moments ago from One Thessalonians. Uh, Paul writes to the church at Thessalonica, who who were worried about the fate of believers who had died before Jesus returned? Well, Paul corrects their misunderstandings that were causing them to doubt. He explains that those who have already died will not miss out. Uh, will not miss out when Jesus returns. And then he commands them in verse eighteen with these words. He says, "Look at the end, verse eighteen. Therefore, encourage one another with these words." The key for them as they wrestle with doubts is to be a community, a team, a family if you like, that is speaking the truth of God's word to each other and in this case the truth about the hope of believers who have died. Paul wants this church to remind each other whether they die before Jesus comes back or whether they are alive when he returns that they will be with the Lord forever encourage each other, will therefore encourage one another with these words. And as they do this, their doubts will lessen. Now, that's just one example of the role the church has when it comes to doubts. Today, we're going to spend some time considering some uh, vital, and what we might call these, these vital spiritual disciplines, that as God's church, we need to encourage each other and put into practice that we, so that we can resist doubt and then develop a strong, mature and, uh, and growing faith. Now, the issue that the, there's a bit of an issue with using the term spiritual disciplines. I don't know if it's just me, but when I hear that term, um, I think it's probably for many of us, probably all of us at some point or another. The fact is we'll fall, we'll fall short of these spiritual disciplines. We won't get it right all the time. And the problem then is that, that leads us to, well, often leads to guilt. Friends, I, I want to say, don't ignore that, but don't dwell on that guilt. We're all going to not, we're, gonna, we're all going to fall short. I want to say, just get on with it. <laughs> just get on with it. And we'll see how that works out in a moment. So, here's the first. Here's the first of these spiritual disciplines. Maintain a close personal walk with God. Now, if you're, um, if you're following on the outline, we've taken a long time to do that short little bit there. Now, that could be very scary for some of you. However, we are going to speed up a bit more. So just a long introduction, that's all. Okay, so the Bi- maintain a, a close personal walk with, walk with God. The Bible often describes the Christian life as a walk. We are to maintain a close walk with Jesus as we go along in our lives. I reckon here the key term is, is maintain, though. We're meant to maintain a lot of things in life, aren't we? Uh, we we maintain our cars. If you have a car, you're meant to maintain it. Change the oil, you know, filters, spark plugs, all that sort of thing. Look after it. Our houses, we clean and we paint our houses. Uh, our gardens, we mow them, we cut back, we mulch. Our church buildings, well, we, we clean and we paint them. Our bodies, I suppose we clean them too, and we might even paint them. I don't know. Um, our minds, we're meant to maintain our minds But if we don't do this proper maintenance, most of the time, it won't be a sudden deterioration or or some sudden explosive episode. If we fail to maintain these things, the deterioration will happen over time. And that's the same thing when it comes to our walk with Jesus. For the most part, that's the case with our, our walk with God. Maintenance is the key. And so in John 10... Uh, John 10, 2 to 4, I'll read in a moment, but Jesus uses this metaphor of a sheep and a shepherd to describe our relationship, the relationship he has with his disciples. Uh, The sheep, and that's that's us, if you're a Christian person, you're a sheep and Jesus is your shepherd, Uh, the disciples, Christians, and they hear the shepherd's voice, that's Jesus, and they follow him. And so in verse 2, the one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. They hear his voice and listen to his voice and follow him. We cultivate and maintain a a close personal walk with Jesus by careful and attentive listening to the word of Christ and depending on him in prayer. Regularly sitting under the word of God, being taught and praying together in response as we we do that, as we gather together, is vital for our spiritual health, health, our maintenance. But we must not just rely on our gatherings to hear the word of God. We must be reading God's word, that is, listening to his voice as much as we can. I think that's the key, having our own personal Bible reading. Do it as much as you can. If you do it every day, that's fantastic. If you do it five days out of seven, that's pretty good too. And we'll just do it as much as you can. Much as you can. Hear God's word and you'll, be, you'll, be, you'll grow and you'll strengthen in your faith. Pray in response to it. Psalm 1 and 2 encourage us to d- delight. Delight in the word of God. And then that will find blessing. And as we do, we must also cultivate our personal prayer to our loving Heavenly Father. If you're ever stuck on where to to start when you pray, pray through the Lord's Prayer. That's what Jesus taught his disciples. That's why Jesus taught his disciples that prayer. Start at our Father in Heaven and shape your prayers around that. If you're stuck again, well, grab out the new edition of Robbo Daily Life. (laughs) It comes out today. So this is a great great little tool. I use it quite a bit um, just to... um, pray for people in the church but also a few little announcements and other stuff that's happening but mostly to, to pray for people in the church so um use it it's up the back there use it grab one today don't forget them uh that'll be great so we maintain a close personal work walk with god by by reading our bibles and gathering together to do that and also praying um together and on our own and as we do that well we're going to be less susceptible to doubt so that's, that's our first proactive measure when it comes to uh, that we can encourage each other in and when it comes to developing a strong, mature, growing faith. One great question to ask someone is, hey, what have you been reading in the Bible lately? It's a great little question. Um, and if they, they say, oh, it's been a bit struggling, say, oh, well, I've been reading this. Don't stress about it. The more you can read it, the better. Okay, second proactive measure that we can encourage each other in so to develop a strong, mature and growing faith. Here it is, committing to a belonging to a supportive church family. Throughout the book of Hebrews, uh, the writer warns his readers not to fall away. There are a number of warnings like that throughout Hebrews. You can, you can find them as you read through. Uh, not fall away, to not let our doubts turn into unbelief. Remember that right at the start not let our doubts turn into unbelief. That's a a dangerous territory. Now, one of those warnings is in chapter 10, where the writer warns his readers not to return to Judaism. Don't go back there. It's like that message in Galatians we looked at a number of weeks ago. Don't go back there. Don't go back to religion, to works-based righteousness. But to keep trusting in Jesus. Jesus, our great high priest... Jesus, who by his death has given us confidence to enter the most holy place. That's, that's a relationship with God through Jesus. That's the most holy place. We can have confidence to enter that when we put our trust in Jesus. Don't go back to works. Don't go back to trying to prove it with God. After that bit in verse 10, then we read these words. And notice that they are directed to the church. Um, they're plural. The writer of Hebrews says, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Did you get, did you get, see this so far? How do we avoid falling away? That was the warning, start of chapter 10. And then he says this How do we avoid falling away? We keep meeting together as a supportive family of brothers and sisters in Christ. And we encourage each other all the more as we see the day approaching. That's Jesus' return. We spur one another on towards love and good deeds. We do that by by talking, using our words to each other. See, too many Christians get a bit muddled in their thinking when it comes to church. We're not a club, we're not a community group that happens to meet on a Sunday morning. We're not that. We're not Rotary. We're not the Bolo. We're not the Men's Shed, as good as those things might be. We're not that. What we do here is far, far more significant. Of course, it has eternal consequences, doesn't it? We're here for each other, not for ourselves or our own experience. We don't come to get our tanks filled. We come to fill other people's tanks to encourage each other. And, of course, we do that, but our tanks get filled as well. So whenever we gather together with fellow believers, we ought to try to encourage each other in our walk with Jesus, in our faith, speaking the gospel, the word of Christ to each other. That's what Colossians 3 verse 16 says, that that as we meet together, it it dwells in us richly. As we speak the gospel to each other, we often call it gospel conversations, we dispel doubt and we deepen deepen assurance. That's how it works. As we speak the gospel to each other, we dispel doubt, and we deepen assurance. Too often we go for trivial conversations, and that has its place, it's okay, But instead, let's be intentional to encourage each other and spur each other on. Okay, we're moving pretty quick. Here's the third one, the third proactive measure to develop a strong, mature, and growing faith, making us less susceptible to doubt. Allow suffering to produce maturity. One of the main causes of doubt is suffering whether it's our own suffering or whether watching loved ones suffer. It causes us to doubt the love and goodness of God. It might even cause us to doubt the existence of God. But what the Bible does, what God does through his word, he he urges us to see suffering differently. In fact, to turn it sort of right side up, put it that way around, that is to see suffering as an opportunity to grow faith as opposed to seeing it as an evil that produces doubt. God wants us to grow in our dependence and trust in him when we suffer. So Romans 5, which we read earlier, Paul writes from his own personal experience of suffering. I think I've got this up. Oh, do I, oh, I do it up The screen. There we go. But we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. See, There's a purpose to it, isn't there? we don't suffer alone as God's church. As Paul writes again at the church, to the church in Rome I, I love this verse rejoice with those who rejoice mourn with those who mourn isn't that powerful powerful when God's church does that churches need to bring the hope and comfort of the gospel for those who mourn for those who suffer in the book of Job Uh, Job's friends aren't much chop really Uh, they not only give poor advice but for seven days and seven nights they say nothing to him when they find out all that he's gone through, loses his family his livelihood, his his farm everything Uh, when they find out for seven days and for seven nights they say not a word nothing See, now, sadly, this silence is actually often held up as an example uh, to to follow of loving support to someone who is suffering. But, friends, well, the friends in Job are never put up as good examples. They're not good examples to follow. Their silence is the first of many insensitive actions and words. His wife eventually says, why don't you go ahead and kill yourself? (laughs) It's awful, isn't it? For seven days and seven nights they did not speak a word to Job. Not a word. Where's the comfort in that? There's no comfort in that. It's not there at all. Instead of friendship, well, it intensifies loneliness. Their silence is not a good thing. See, when you have a Christian brother or sister who is suffering, who is in pain, who is lonely, say something. Say something. We have the words of eternal life. Jesus said, say something. We have the gospel. Encourage each other. Say something. Now, not just anything. Think first. Maybe you might get some advice from a wise friend of what's a good thing to say if you're really stuck. Perhaps it could just be simply, how are you? Say something. What can I I pray for specifically? Or even better, how can I pray with you? What a great question to ask. Um, Someone during the week shared that with me. I thought that's a great answer. How can I pray with you? Uh, Maybe even offer, would you like to get together? Just to chat, catch up, can I take you out for a coffee? Whatever it might be. Can we read the Bible together? Say something, don't treat them like nothing has happened, but try to give them some normalcy as well. Every conversation doesn't have to be an in-depth explanation of suffering and evil in the world. but we, can, we do have something to say if you're a Christian person. Okay, number four. Fourth, spiritual discipline to help us grow in faith and maturity and confidence in God. It's on your outline anyway. Remember God's work in history and in your life. We are more susceptible to doubt if we cannot see God's work in our lives, not only now, but also in the past. Are you able to look back? If you're a Christian now, even if you've been a Christian for a week, are you able to look back and to see what God has done in your life? I wonder what comes, comes up in your mind as, you, as that question is asked or, or framed to you. I hope you can. I hope you can look back and see what God's done in your life. And I hope then you can be thankful for it. I'm going to say, don't forget it. Don't forget it. At the height of lockdown last year, um, my good friend Jody, who's the minister down at Jamboree Anglican, down the hill down there, um, he and I organised a virtual campfire um, for old friends at, the, at, at a church that we you know, grew up in, became Christians in uh, back in the 80s and 90s when we were sort of teenagers and early 20s and so on. Um, and it was through that ministry that many of us, many of us um, who attended this virtual campfire became Christians. Um, it was a lot of fun and so this is what it sort of looked like. Uh, Jody and I, well, we led uh, singing together, And we'll come back to that song in a moment for a while. Actually, that's not that song. It's another one. But anyway, um, people shared stories. Jody's a tech nerd. He just got it all right. You know, people could chime in from other parts of the world. And uh, we shared stories and we we prayed together. We sang a lot of the songs that we used to sing back in the 80s and 90s. It's amazing how much they just come back to you. Uh, Those early songs you might have learnt when you became a Christian. Uh, It was a great time of thankfulness. For the work that God has done in our life, it really was. These type of types of memories reassure us. W- one of the great things about anniversaries is to look back on the years and and um, be thankful. Michelle and I are coming up to our twenty fifth anniversary pretty soon, um, and that's going to be pretty exciting. Uh, So we ought to look back and be thankful. We ought to do it in our marriages and so on. But we also should do it in our friendships. We also ought to look back and do it in our church. So I look back here and remember our church weekends away. We haven't had one for the last two years because of COVID keeps stuffing that up. Hopefully this year we'll see how we go. We'll book some dates at least. Where God worked in our lives. You know, where, where by the power of his spirit changed us to be more like Jesus. As I said, I'm looking forward to more of those times. But what about God's work in your life now? Can you pause and think of how God is working in your life now, today? Perhaps he's changing you to be a more patient person, a more forgiving person, a more loving person, and today's the day you'll particularly see God at work in that. In the New Testament, Jesus commanded his disciples, his church, to remember his death for our sins when we share a meal together a supper of the Lord, the Lord's Supper. These meals, uh, whenever we eat and drink together, whether it's communion, a very small meal, or it's something else, are a corporate reminder of God's promises in Jesus, his body broken for us, his blood shed for us on the cross. Now, we celebrated the Lord's Supper last week. The Lord's Supper is meant to be, actually meant to be a, a joyful celebration of God's grace and full forgiveness, which brings great assurance it helps us with our doubt tragically though many churches uh, communion or the Lord's Supper has become a cause of doubt as Christians are urged to this morbid introspection and self examination to see if they're worthy to to share the Lord's Supper rather than being urged to look to Christ and rejoice in his grace friends you're worthy to share the meal together because Christ has made you worthy That's why. He's made you worthy. So rejoice in God's grace. If you're a Christian person, you trust in the Lord Jesus, rejoice in his grace. Share the meal together. Number five. Watch out or watch for the work of God in others. It doesn't have to be a dramatic story or miraculous. Look for those, uh, what one author labelled, everyday miracles. Such as patient endurance and perseverance in the faith. Listen to this um, I've written up here. listen to this description of the Thessalonian church that Paul writes following Timothy's report. Timothy comes back to him and gives him this report of how they're going. And listen to how Paul describes the work of God in that church. But Timothy has just now come to us from you and has brought good news about your faith and love. He has told us that you always have pleasant memories of us and that you long to see us, just as we also long to see you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in all our distress and persecution, we were encouraged about you because of your faith. For now we really live since you are standing firm in the Lord. Watch out for the work of God in others. As we pay attention to what God is, what is happening around us and we hear news of what God is doing in other people's lives, in other churches, in other places, Michael and Rani, when they head out to Belgium, for example, with CMS, Our faith and our confidence will be strengthened and we will be more resilient to the danger of doubt. doubt. So watch for the work of God and others and be encouraged by that. Well, final spiritual discipline that as God's church we need to encourage one another to put into practice so that we can resist doubt and develop a strong, mature and growing faith. Step out in faith and service. I won't take long on this one. One of those songs that we sung at that virtual campfire if I had my, well, I do have my guitar, I'm not going to do it now, um, is a song that we learnt years ago, I think I learnt it when I was like 13 or something, I, I don't think I was even a Christian then, but I was a Christian a bit later on. Be bold, be strong, for the Lord thy God is with you. I am not afraid, oh I'm not afraid, oh I... stop there. Um, I'll give you, a, I'll show you later on if you really want to. Um, <laughs> it's a great song, but it reminds us that true faith is not just intellectual, belief or head experience. It's not just up here. True faith is not a set of propositions, but it's a life of sacrificial, costly obedience to the Lord Jesus. It's our head, it's our heart, it's our hands. So be bold, be strong, for the Lord thy God is with you. That's what we sung. So be bold in sharing your faith, sharing the gospel. Your faith will be strengthened by it. What seems scary and impossible... By Jesus' power, will bring us great strength and assurance as we proclaim Jesus. It's incredible, isn't it? The more you share the gospel, the more you'll be strengthened and assured of your faith. If we never do it, we'll never experience the power of the work of the Spirit as He gives us the words to say and the confidence to speak those words. It's a similar thing with serving others. Step out in service and watch the work of God, not only in your lives, but in the lives of those around you. It's a great little quote I came across during the week. A faith that is mollycoddled and protected from risk will be weak and vulnerable. We need to act on our faith. If we do this, we will gain a greater assurance that will protect us from the onslaughts of doubt. That's a great quote, I think. Well, friends, let me close with six proactive questions. They all come from our six points on our outline. You might want to keep that to remember those points, stick it on the fridge for a couple of weeks. Six proactive questions that we can encourage each other in. Remember our big idea that sort of flowed through. We're made for relationships, church is key. Encourage each other to resist doubt and develop a strong, mature, growing faith. Number one, did I have them up here? I think I do. There they are. Are you maintaining your personal work with God? Start today. That, that's that. Just get on with it. Start today if you haven't been. Are you participating in a supportive church family? Well, you are here today? That is fantastic. Excellent. Number three, are you allowing suffering to produce maturity? Four, are you remembering God's work in past and present in your life? Five, are you watching out for the work of God in other people's lives? And six, are you stepping out... Stepping up in faith and service to serve Jesus. How about we pray? Lots in today. So hopefully you've got some notes down. If nothing else, keep the outline. That'll be good. Let me pray and then um, we'll see if there's any questions or comments, anything um, to talk about. Let's pray. Father, we really thank you for your word today. We thank you for this series. We thank you for the honesty that we can have with you. We thank you for how we can tell you how we really feel And we thank you for your faithfulness to us. Lord, please help our doubts not to become unbelief. Lord, help us to act on them, to respond to when we doubt, and respond to those questions we might have. And Lord, today, as we've seen, help us to be proactive. We pray, Lord, that we would encourage each other in the things we've talked about today as your church. Thank you that you love us. Thank you that you're faithful to us. And thank you for your son, Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen.